morning children. It's Friday, October is it the 13th? Let me see. No, we just missed. It's the 14th. October 14th. Uh, it's about 5 a.m. A little bit before. Could not sleep. I think around 3 a.m. I woke up. And uh, went on the internet browsing around doing almost nothing important and uh, an hour into that the namesake came into our bed and just cuddled with me which is nice just completely wrapped his arms around me and he just held on to me for dear life you were completely asleep you may have been asleep as you walked in You, I, I, I kind of think you sleepwalk there have been times when you're much younger where you sleepwalked into our room I think you did it for a while where you would just be crying as you came into our room and that was kind of disruptive so what I would do is when you were really little I would um, I would ask you math questions like hey what's what's 2 plus 2 you know what's one plus three, or something like that. Something that you would easily get, and you would never answer them. And be like, and like you would. Well, your mom eventually curbed you from from. Uh, sorry, that's the heater. I was about to turn the heater on. Is that noise? She eventually guided you away from coming into our room crying. Eventually, she taught you how to kind of ninja yourself into our bed, which was cute. But since I've got insomnia, I get to witness you coming into our bed quite often. And that's going to be one of the biggest things I miss when you guys get much older. You guys stop coming to our bedroom and me cuddling with you guys. It reminds me so much of my childhood growing up. I don't remember my sisters cuddling with me when I was really, really young. I couldn't safely assume it happened, having three older sisters and me being the only baby, the only boy. But I did cuddle with my mom a lot. Hey, help. So, yesterday, I see what happened yesterday. Um, yesterday, the spy got into some trouble at soccer practice. He wasn't on the same scrimmage team as one of his friends who just really dominates the game. And he slapped one of his friends in the stomach, or he punched him in the stomach. And I, your mom and I were like livid with you last night. It's a fun teaching moment. You went to bed early, which was like the absolute worst thing I guess we could do to you, because you made it very abundantly clear. <laughs> it's the worst thing we could do to you. So, and it reminds me when I was little, I think I was in, I think I was seven. I was exactly your age. Yeah. My mom and dad had just bought a camcorder, a recorder, a big video recorder. It recorded videos and stuff. First time being recorded. And my sisters decided to interview me about what I did that Earlier that day, earlier that day, I was playing under eight soccer, 
and I don't know, I didn't like the way this kid was looking at me, or I, I think we were losing, I mean, I was just really mad, and so I went up to the kid, and I kicked him real hard in the, in the legs, and he said, why'd you do that, poor kid, and then the coach immediately took me out of the game, he's like, George, why did you, why? he wasn't laughing, but he was like, why, why did you hit that kid, why'd you kick him, and I said, I don't know, so I, my mom and dad like chastised me all the way home, probably thinking, oh my God, he's probably a serial killer, just kicking kids left and right. And I was really embarrassed once I realized what I had done. I was, it was really embarrassing. So that night when my sisters interviewed me, they said, hey, you got into some trouble today, didn't you? And I'm the kid that just uh, kind of never got in trouble. So I was like so embarrassed and mad at my sisters. So I, anyways, I forget what I said. I think I said, you know, when I'm one day I'm gonna record you on the bathroom or something like that. Like I don't know what it meant, but I, I knew it would make him upset. So that was that was a long time ago. But what the spy did yesterday really reminded me of of what I had done in the past. Hopefully you don't do it again. Uh, supposed to have a supposed to do a lot of work this morning, but one of the teachers at school said she was feeling sick, so I'm going to be uh, substitute teaching first grade again today. Not really excited about it, but but uh because there, it's a walking field trip towards the end of the day that, I, that I'm not looking forward to. Not looking forward to a walking field trip, but I didn't want the kids to have it canceled. The teacher says, I'll cancel if you want. And I was like, no, don't cancel a field trip. Field trips are so rare nowadays in the aftermath of COVID. I thought, let's just we'll do the field trip. Kids will have fun. I'll be a nervous wreck. It'll be great. Because, you know, I don't want to lose a child. So, figured we could start reading Second Chronicles 10 through whatever I feel like this morning because I just couldn't sleep. And it, it, you know, it was so hard. So hard peeling myself away from my namesake so difficult but I just tell myself this is a what I'm doing is righteous I, I hope you guys see it that way I hope you don't see it as some attempt at vanity I really I'm not doing this so you guys can honor me one day say oh look what my dad did that's not the point so don't think it is it's not <sighs> now I don't know what gas prices are going to be when you're my age, but right now they are $6.65 a gallon. And when I was just dating your mom, they were about $1.79. $1.79. I remember when they were like $1.19. It was a little, a little crazy. The, uh, the amount in gas. The increase. So I don't know. It's 
see. Is this place open? Is this place open? Let's see. Let's turn this off. It's not open, huh? I thought it opened at five. What time does this place open at? Huh. Let me see. Let's see. Oh wow, this one opens at six. Yikes. Oh. Well, let's go somewhere else. Walking field trip to the beach would be great if all the grades were doing it, but it's just this class, which kind of heightens my nervousness. second time I ever substitute taught we had to do a big field trip a walking field trip to this cultural center which is about a mile and a half walk it is not a it's not a um, it's not it was not a short walk like today's trips and it's only about today's trip is about a 20 to 30 minute walk it's about a 45 50 minute walk hang on one second don't judge me okay Me. Yeah, can I have a number 22 with a large Dr. Pepper? Yes, ma'am. Yes. And ice coffee, alright? Uh, can I have a large Dr. Pepper instead? Oh, large Dr. Pepper. Okay. My 18. Alright.
Sgt. Pepper tastes like medicine. That's how bad the syrup to CO2 ratio is. It, it literally tastes like I'm drinking medicine. There we go. So I can go to the Target parking lot, which is... Uh, it's pretty empty. that that's a lot I think it's a lot safer than just a, an abandoned navy base I'm gonna pause to eat this stuff and then I'll we'll start with second chronicles 10 all right okay <clears throat> let's see second chronicles chapter 10 Oh, here we go, Rehoboam, this guy. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt, and they sent and called him, and Jeroboam, and all Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service for your father, and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, me, he said to them, Come to me again in three days. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men, who had stood before Solomon his father while he was alive, uh, saying, How do you advise me to answer these people? And they said to him, If you will be good to this people, and please them, and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old man gave him, and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, What do you advise that we do, or that we answer this people, who have said to me, Lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus shall you speak to the people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam that third day, and as the king said, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered them harshly, and forsaking the counsel of the old men. King Rehoboam spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by God, and the Lord might fulfill his word, uh, which he spoke to Ahijah the Shilonite, to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Each of you to your tents, O Israel. Look now on your own house, David. So all Israel went to their tents, but Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Hadaram, who was taskmaster over the forced labor, and the people of Israel stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam quickly mounted his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Just one second. Um. Oh. 
it's <coughs> funny that the the downfall of the unity between Israel and Judah was because a leader listened to yes men and his friends and I'm sure it's no easy task following Solomon as your father, the wisest ruler of all, the most wealthy. I'm sure there are a lot of comparisons to Rehoboam, to Solomon. And I bet Rehoboam is just trying to make a name for himself, which is pride, and God hates pride. So I, I found, uh, I, I've always loved this chapter because it shows you need to take, kids, you need wise, wise counsel. And you need, not only just, you need to go to wise counsel, you need to actually listen to it and and, and uh, do it. Just going to wise counsel is the first step. You have, to, you have to kind of complete it by carrying it out. I bet Rehoboam despised those men that knew his father as a king. I bet, I mean, I, I can only assume... That, it's interesting, you know. Don't listen to yes men. Listen to people who are honest with experience. <clears throat> Chapter 11. When Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled the houses of Judah and Benjamin, 180,000 chosen warriors to fight against Israel to restore the kingdom of Rehoboam. But the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, the, the man of God. Say to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all Israel and Judah and Benjamin, Thus says the Lord, you shall not go up or fight against your relatives. Return every man to his home, for this thing is from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord and returned and did not go against Jeroboam. Rehoboam lived in Jerusalem and he built cities for defense in Judah. He built Bethlehem, Etam, Tekoa, Bethzur, Soko, Adullam, Gath, Mereshah, Zip, Zif, excuse me, Adaram, Lachish, Azekah, Zorah, Ijalon, and Hebron, fortified cities that are in Judah and in Benjamin. He made the fortresses strong and put commanders in them, and stores of food, oil, and wine. And he put shields and spears in all the cities and made them very strong. So he held Judah and Benjamin. And the priests and the Levites who were in all Israel presented themselves to him, from all places where they lived. For the Levites left their common lands and their holdings and came to Judah and Jerusalem. Because Jeroboam and his sons cast them out from serving as priests to the Lord, and he appointed his own priests for the high places and for the goat idols and for the calves that he had made. And those who had set their hearts to seek the Lord God of Israel came after them from all the tribes of Israel to Jerusalem to sacrifice to the Lord, the God of their fathers. They strengthened the kingdom of Judah, and for three years they made Rehoboam the son of Solomon secure, for they walked for three years in the way of David and Solomon. Rehoboam took his wife Mahalath, the daughter of Jeremoth, the son of David, and and uh, is that a cousin? What the and Abihail, the daughter of Elia, the son of Jesse. What? And she bore him sons: Jeush, Shemariah, Zaham. After he took her, Makkah, the daughter of Absalom, who bore him Abijah, Atai, Ziza, and Shelemeth. Rehoboam loved Makkah, the daughter of Absalom, and above, above all his wives and concubines, he took eighteen wives, sixty concubines, and fathered twenty-eight sons and sixty daughters. 
And Rehoboam appointed Abijah, the son of Makaz, chief prince among his brothers, for he intended to make him king. And he dealt wisely and distributed some of his sons through all the districts of Judah and Benjamin, in all the fortified cities, and he gave them abundant provisions and procured wives for them. Okay, I've got to figure this out. Um, Rehoboam, who is the grandson of King David, took a wife, the, the daughter of Jeremiah. So, David was his grandson, the daughter of his great aunt. Oh my god. And he, she was. What? The daughter of Absalom. David's son Absalom. So Absalom would have been an uncle. So a first cousin. Macaw was his first cousin. Oh, these times. Oh my god. Oh, I can't imagine. Try heave during this. Okay. Oh, okay. I mean, do they have rules about this? I really hope they had rules about this. Ugh. Okay, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna soldier on because this, that, that's just, that's not. There's like no note in this MacArthur Study Bible. Like, hey, yeah, he. So there, one note uh, in verse 21. Um, the chronicler did not include the sim similar summary of Solomon's wives, but clearly Rehoboam learned the disastrous marital style from his father Solomon. Even David was a polygamist. Polygamy was often practiced by the kings to secure alliances with nearby nations. Uh, okay. Sure. I have enough trouble with one wife. I can't imagine multiple, let alone dozens. I, I That'd be an early grave. Okay. Chapter 12. When the rule of Rehoboam was established and he was strong, he abandoned the law of the... Of course he did. He abandoned the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, because they had been unfaithful to the Lord... Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem with 1,200 chariots and 60,000 horsemen. And the people were without number who came with him from Egypt, Libyans, Sukim, Ethiopians. And he took the fortified cities of Judah and came as far as Jerusalem. Then Shemaiah the prophet came to Rehoboam and to the princes of Judah, who had gathered at Jerusalem because of Shishak, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, You abandoned me, so I have abandoned you to the, land of, to the hand of Shishak. Then the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, The Lord is righteous. When the Lord saw that they had humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah. They have humbled themselves. And keep in mind, this is straight, this is a direct result of Solomon's prayer to, to, to God. Um, we, we mentioned a couple of podcasts ago. When the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah. They have humbled themselves, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance, and my wrath shall not be poured out on Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they shall be servants to him, that they may know my service and the service of the kingdom of the countries. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. He took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. 
he took away everything. He also took away the shields of gold that Solomon had made, and King Rehoboam made in their place shields of bronze and committed them to the hands of the officers of the guard, who kept the door of the king's house. And as often as the king went into the house of the Lord, the guard came and carried them and brought them back to the guard room. When he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him so as not to make complete destruction. Moreover, conditions were good in Judah. So King Rehoboam grew strong in Jerusalem and reigned. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city that the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His mother's name was Namah, the Ammonite, and he did evil, for he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Now the acts of Rehoboam, from first to last, are they not written in the chronicles of Shemaiah the prophet, and of Edo the seer? There were continual wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and Rehoboam slept with his fathers, and was buried in the city of David, and Abijah, his son, reigned in his place. Chapter 13 In the eighteenth year of King Rehoboam, Abijah began to reign over Judah. He reigned for three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. Now there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Abijah went out to battle, having an army of valiant men of war, 400,000 chosen men. And Jeroboam drew up his line of battle against him with 800,000 chosen mighty warriors. Then Abijah stood up on Mount Zemariam, that is in the hill country of Ephraim, and said, Hear me, O Jeroboam and all Israel. Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingship over Israel forever to David and his sons by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, rose up and rebelled against his lord. And certain worthless scoundrels gathered around him and defied Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young and irresolute and could not withstand them. And now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David, because you are a great multitude and have with you the golden calves that Jeroboam made you for gods. Have you not driven out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron, and the Levites, and made priests for yourselves like the peoples of the lands? Whoever comes for ordination with a young bull or seven rams becomes a priest of what are not gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. We have priests ministering to the Lord who are sons of Aaron, and Levites for their service. They offer to the Lord every morning and every evening burnt offerings, and incense of sweet spices set out, uh, the showbread on the table of pure gold, and care for the golden lampstand, that its lamps may burn ever every evening. For we keep the charge of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken him. Behold, God is with us at our head, and his priests with their battle trumpets to the sound, to sound the call to battle against you. O sons of Israel, do not fight against the Lord, the God of your fathers, for you cannot succeed. Jeroboam had set an ambush around to come upon from them, to come upon them from behind. Thus his troops were in front of Judah, and the ambush was behind them. And when Judah looked, behold, the battle was in front of and behind them, and they cried to the Lord, and the priests blew the trumpets. Then the men of Judah raised the battle shout, and when the men of Judah shouted, God defeated Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. The men of Israel fled before Judah, and God gave them into their hand. Abijah and his people struck them with great force, so there fell slain of Israel, 500,000 chosen men. Thus the men of Israel were subdued at that time, and the men of Judah prevailed. 
because they relied on the Lord, the God of their fathers. And Abijah pursued Jeroboam and took cities from him. Bethel and its villages and Sheshanah with its villages and Ephron with its villages. Jeroboam did not recover his power in the days of Abijah, and the Lord struck him down, and he died. But Abijah grew mighty, and he took fourteen wives again, took fourteen wives, and had twenty-two sons and sixteen daughters. The rest of the acts of Abijah, the, his ways and his sayings, are written in the story of the prophet Edo. Give me a second, Sal. Fourteen isn't that long. Give me a second, guys. Oh, I figured I'm about a third of the way done with the Bible. Based on, like, my... Oh, based on just the page numbering. I'm, like, on page 600, and my Bible goes to, like, 1800-something. So, it's interesting that I've gotten... I've made it this far. I, You know, starting this, I, I never thought I, I would get as far as I have. So, the point of the morning where... Um, I'm feeling some exhaustion, and after lunch today, luckily I'm going to be walking to the beach, but if I was not, after lunch I would probably be almost falling asleep in class. So that will, so I'm glad that's not going to happen. I'm kind of glad we're going on this field trip now. Chapter 14. Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, uh, Asa, yeah, his son reigned in his place. In his days, the land had rest for ten years, and Asa, I'm going to say Asa, and Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the ashram and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandment. He also took out all the cities of Judah, the high places and the incense altars, and the kingdom had rest under him. He built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, for the Lord gave him peace. And he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us peace on every side. So they built and prospered, and Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, armed with large shields and spears, and 280,000 men from Benjamin, they carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men and three hundred chariots, and came as far as Marashah. And Asa went out to meet him, and they drew up their lines of battle in the valley of Zephatha at Marashah. And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God. For we rely on you, and in your name we have come against the multitude. O Lord, you are our God, let no man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa, and before Judah, and the, and the Ethiopians fled. Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar, and the Ethiopians fell until none remained alive, for they were broken before the Lord and his army. The men of Judah carried away very much spoil, and they attacked all the cities around. Gerar, around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord was upon them. They plundered all the cities, for there was much plunder in them, and they struck down the tents of those who had livestock and carried away sheep in abundance and camels. Then they returned to Jerusalem. And 
I'm going to stop there. That's about four chapters. I don't want to go too far because I'm going to head to the office right now and get my, get my calendar because I want to make sure I'm not missing any appointments with anyone else. It's a it's an interesting thing that that prayer that Solomon makes to God and God's answer is essentially just a summary of the rest of what happens to Israel. Pretty much, please, Lord, be with us, and if we fall away and humble, but humble ourselves, please come back to us. That's like a a prayer like every new believer should have. And I'm not talking about salvation, because once you have it, you've got it. But sometimes the Lord will be quiet because of sin. And I think a similar prayer should be made when, when you become a new believer. be a hard day guys it's be a really hard day I don't know how I'm gonna do it probably with a lot of caffeine to get a lot of coffee in me make me jittery one thing I hate about the beach now that I'm on that topic I really really don't like sand uh, or the water or the Sun don't like the Sun either this should be a, an interesting day. I'm going to have sand everywhere. I probably should get shorts. I don't have any. I don't have any cargo shorts because I'm not that kind of dad. <sighs> you wear a hat. I don't know. I need a haircut. I know that. Tomorrow... I'm taking the older three to an anniversary party for my mom's older sister and her husband. They're celebrating 50 years together, which is nice. It's kind of hard. My parents would have been would have celebrated 50 years together like five or six years ago. They were married much earlier, so I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to feel. No, four. Let's see. They got married in 64, I think. 64, 65. So, 2015. I mean, they would have been married 57 years, I think. I don't know. My math is terrible, but it would have been way over 50. I don't know. It's just hard. The one-year anniversary of my father's passing is coming up October 26th just a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, guys. It's, it's a lot. And it's not lost on me that you may be listening to this when I'm good and gone. It's not lost on me. Maybe that's what, what has been motivating me to read more and more. And if you notice, I really am not writing descriptors in the podcast because I just don't have the time now. Like, I'm recording these so much, I just don't have the time to give a summary of what I'm doing or what I'm going over so I'm sorry about that I, I don't think I'm going to be having summaries 
for a long time. It takes me an hour alone just to upload one episode. So, sorry about that. I think it's more important to do this, like record it appropriately, than come up with a summary of what's going on. mention my namesake had his first soccer league soccer game league win last Sunday I don't know if I've recorded since then but that was oh my gosh that <laughs> is amazing to watch and I uh, the day before they lost a game by quite a bit and one of the parents went up to me and said you know I really w- I don't know what it is about my son like they're talking about their own son he just isn't aggressive, and we wish we wish that your that our son was half as aggressive as, as yours. They're talking about you, namesake, because you're really aggressive, and you just you're like go all you live leave 100% on the field. And so I tell I told him I was like, yeah, well, the 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 dad who's like this big like very alpha male type dad. He said, what do you tell your son before a game? Do you tell him anything? And I said, yeah, there's a couple things I say. And you will you may remember this. But I kneel down next to my son. I, I say, show... What do I say? There's a few things I say. And it really gets you pumped up. I'll tell you that. Say, show them the savage that you are. And leave everything out on the field. And you always get this, like, this smile. Kind of like I'm giving you permission to misbehave kind of thing, but you're obviously you're not. So, so yeah, so I say some rendition of, listen, George, I know you're a savage. Go show them who you are. And sometimes I, I or other times I'll say, I know who you are. Your team knows who you are. Go show this other team who you are. And that gets you going too and occasionally if I'm in a mood I will kneel down and I and I would say I'll say the F word. I'll say go show him the effing savage that you are. Okay? I love you. Go have fun. And when the when the guy said when I said I, I sometimes use the F word, he's like, You swear your child? I was like, uh, yeah, that's gonna get him pumped up. Sure, why not? I mean it's probably not the best thing to do. I mean, I'm not trying to get nominated to be father of the year, but but I tell you what, um, on Sunday you went out there and you didn't just dominate. I mean, you you were unstoppable as a defender, and your mom was there. And one part of the game, uh, you get a some kid kicks you right in the face with a ball. The ball like, just smacks you right in the face. And any other kid on, on your team, I would imagine, would fall down and start crying. You kept going, cleared the ball out of the area, and would not let it bother you. Like You wouldn't 
show them tears or anything. I, I was almost in tears because it looked so hard. I mean, your mom still thinks you had a concussion. The ref, even though the ball was out of danger and like it was on the other side of the field, the ref stopped the game. He looked at you. He showed you fingers. How many fingers are, are, am I holding up? And he asked you what day of the week it is. And you comically said, I'm a kid. I don't know the days of the week. I don't know what day of the week it is. And the ref laughed, and then they play. They played on. You guys won three to one, and you just you shut them the heck down. I just you were just all over the place. If the ball came near, you just went straight at it. It was so fun to watch you, and it's so hard to not hold back tears because it's just there's so many there's so many um, it's called uh parallels between my life and my father's and this is one of those stark parallels that we have and I know that I these same emotions bubble of pride bubbling up in, in me um, are I'm sure they bubble up in my father when he watched me and my sisters play and you know after the referee walked away everyone like the both both parents just started clapping like really loud and I yelled out, that's my boy. No, I didn't say boy. Because that's boys dismissive. I said, that's my son. And so everyone was clapping and the game kept going. It's great. Oh, so much, so much pride. And you know what? If you had fallen down and started crying, I would have the same amount of pride. And I don't think you could really understand that unless you become a father one day. No pressure. I mean, there's just some things you, I can't explain unless, um, you have a, become a dad or a mom. I'm saying that to my uh, entrepreneur. Uh, all right, I'm about to turn into my office. Get my calendar and, and my briefcase. I need my briefcase. Here we go. I'm so tired. I. I'm gonna have to. What the heck am I gonna do? I cannot believe I've been up since three. And I don't want to tell your mom I've been up since three because she's gonna be like all worried. All right. Hang on one second. Okay. Still there. Let's see. Throw a bunch of stuff away. with her. There's no way I can be with her today. No way. Wow, am I tired. Just 
just a broken record at this point. This and that. Oh, good. Sunglasses. All right, kids. So, oh, the exhaustion is real. Children, I love you so much. And I look forward to seeing you guys later. I miss you. And of course, I'm very proud of you. So, with that, with that, I love you. And uh, in everything you do, do it for the kingdom and the king. God bless. The Bible says he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. David said the heavens declare the glory of God. And the fundamentals show it his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his solar supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. And he's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He starves God and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. He's a master of the mighty. He's a captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. 
and he's the Lord of Lord. That's my king. Yeah. Yeah. That's my king. My king. Yeah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heaven cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah! He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't him, teach him, and he's not going to resign. That's my king. is the kingdom and the power and the glory the glory is all his thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and when you get through with all of the forever then amen yeah.